You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Well, let me preface by saying another story. Sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. Um, one day I got home from school and I was just sitting down in the basement and I heard um, a bunch of stomping around upstairs. And I thought one of my five roommates were home. So I got my um, beer or whatever device at the moment. And I was like, oh, I'll go see what the guys are up to. And I went up there and there was nobody there. And I was like, somebody was right there. Either somebody just left. So I went out the front, the back. Nobody was on our street. I was like, oh, that's odd. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk about their lives and music while sharing a craft beer. I hope you've been having a killer week so far. I most certainly have been. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to tell your bass playing friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that's just a killer bassist, well, let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast exists. You can tell them that there are over 370 episodes where I hang out with some of the world's best metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing a craft beer. If you were to encourage one of your bass-playing friends to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today on the podcast, I'm very stoked to finally be joined with one of my old friends, Derek Ingeman of Scour. This is Vox and Hops episode number 379. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Derek Ingeman, an old friend, a very, very, very old friend. Uh, so old, in fact, uh, that uh, he was on my very first tour bus tour way back in 2008. It is ridiculous that it's taking me this long to have you on the podcast, but I'm very stoked to be with you right now. Let's start with a really, really easy one. Derek, how you doing? I'm doing great because I'm good to see my old friend here. Crazy how long ago. I was a baby. I was a baby on that bus. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. It was the uh, Decrepit Birth Boys were with us too, weren't they? That is correct. Cryptopsy, Decrepit Birth, Unmerciful, Rampaging across Europe. Uh, I was not ready, but uh, you guys definitely helped me get ready. So thank you for that. I appreciate that very much. It was the height of the booze hounds, too, if I remember clearly. The drummer James King was was a big part of uh, the booze hounds as well. As you later became part of the booze hounds for the 99 bottles, you know, our great charity for senior dogs. Look at you doing good things for dogs and stuff. You know, we had to do a bunch of horrible things before we did good things, right? Uh, let's jump into the <laughs> shittiest question that I'll like to start things off with. Um, we all start with this one because it sort of is something we all lived through and we all got to get through it differently. Uh, how did you cope with the glorious years, plural, of 2020, 2021, half of 2022, hopefully not the rest of 2022, most certainly, hopefully none of 2023? How have you been dealing with these wonderful times, Derek? Wow, what a uh, loaded question that is. Um, I personally dived right into work and I've been working my ass off um, musically. And then just, you know, some regular jobs, of course. And uh, I started uh, tattooing during that time. So really, I am a licensed tattoo artist out of Orange County in California. That's cool. I, I do. You always like getting tattoos. I remember that. I remember you do. You would get tattoos on every tour. 
I do get it. I pick one up here and there, yeah. And you would encourage other people from the touring party to get a tattoo with you. I remember that happening frequently. I remember I tried to convince your bass player, Eric, to get one. <laughs> and he only agreed to getting something pierced. And, oh. you know, that just wasn't cool, so we didn't do it. But. <laughs> That's cool. Back into work. I also remember you sort of working in the merch world. Is that correct there? Am I crazy there? Yeah, no, yeah. I was really involved. Um, I had a business, Monolithic Merchandise, for a while, and then Bandit Press. I kind of shut that down recently. Um, I just felt like my time was spent better elsewhere. So I still get stuff printed for some people, you know, through like some... I've made a whole network of people you know, printers throughout the years. So I still get stuff printing from, but I, I don't do that anymore. Really. And it comes in handy when you know people such as that, when you're on the road and then you run out of shirts and then you need to, you're in some town X, let's say town X, and you need a, something printed in town Y that's close to town X, you know who to, who to hit up in that situation. For sure. And you know what? Uh, you know, that band Norma Jean. Yeah, of course. Yeah. They had the best run out of merch scenario I've ever seen on tour. I think it was uh, summer slaughter, few years back and uh they ran out of merch and they couldn't get anybody in town y to print for him or x or z uh <laughs> so the singer carved out their logo onto like a piece of cardboard and got a spray bottle filled it with bleach and they just bought some blank shirts and just bleached the design out sold out of every shirt that night it was insane they actually better than the night before. <laughs> so, uh, and it was pretty cool. I mean, I got to give it up. Where there's a will, there is a way. And uh, that's what, you know, the do-it-yourself musicians strive at because we, we do right. things that we're not supposed to do. Most people would have given up already, but not us, especially not people that started as long as we've been doing this. Uh, Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. Uh, what beer do you have on your side there that we're going to be sharing virtually tonight? Derek. Okay, well... For the record, I'm at my parents' house in Herman, Missouri. So I don't have my favorite beers with me, which would be Carl Strauss, Aurora Hoppy Alice. It's a delicious IPA. Or um, Ballast Point Sculpin is like my second favorite. San Diego's got the best beer. Of course, Pizza Port, the Jetty is like right there with it. Um, but tonight I'm drinking Boulevard Single Wide IPA. India Pale Ale, and uh, this Boulevard's out of Kansas City, which is not too far, and uh, it's delicious. It's it's actually really hoppy, pretty bitter, um, but I'm going to have a drink right now. Yes, I, I, I would not expect anything less from a booze hound. On my side, I'm drinking something very special that... Uh is coming out shortly. It premiered at uh, the most recent uh, Vox and Hops Brutal Montreal. I'll say that again. At the most recent Heavy Montreal presents Vox and Hops Brutal Montreal. It's uh, my brand new collab with uh, La Patricaire, which is a very cool young brewery from here in Quebec. Uh, it f- is ran basically by metalheads uh, David, that used to be a part of a band called Burning the Oppressor, which is a killer band from here in Montreal. And it features the awesome Philip Ivanovic artwork. You know, I love it. And it's a 4% Zvetli Visipni, basically a very light Czech lager, 4%. I'm going to crack this, and I want to hear the story. I, I don't think I know this story, and that is funny that I don't know it, because you are a booze hound, and I like beer. Uh, do you remember your very first beer? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, funny enough. Funny enough. Um, 
Yes. Okay. First beer. I was actually here in Herman, Missouri. Yes. <laughs> Funny enough, uh, it was a Fourth of July party. Um, my uncles they own a sand plant where they dredge sand out of the river, the Missouri River, and they uh, you know use for concrete or all kinds of stuff. But what they do is they pile it up in these huge sand piles, and then the kids would all go sledding down them and stuff. And Amazing. Like, it was so much fun. But uh, as a kid, but. As a teenager, you know, we didn't do so much sledding, but I kind of snuck into the beer tent and I got a Miller Genuine Draft, an MGD. And uh, I was like, oh, this is my favorite beer. You know, <laughs> I don't think I've had one since that. It's the only beer. <laughs> right. Yeah. That was the first one. And I remember uh, I thought it was pretty good. I think I had like two. Wow, that's impressive for the. I remember my first beers. It took a long time to down even one of them. Uh, unlike this light check lager, which just seems to disappear. Cheers to you for hanging out with me for a bit. Cheers, man. It's got that cereal beery nose. I love it. Mm, yeah, this one's really hoppy. I have this is smooth, crisp, um, malt forward, but ultra crushable. Just unbelievable. David, the rest of the crew from La Pazcaya, thank you so, so much for making this one. Uh, let's dance into craft beer. You seem to have gotten into craft beer from what you're saying, Ballast Point, uh, the Pizza Port. Uh, to talk to me about uh, your, your foray into craft beer, because I was definitely not an avid craft beer nerd when we toured together. That took time. <laughs> talk to me about your craft beer evolution. I can give you a direct lineage in my craft beer evolution. Perfect. So, um, of course, the booze hounds, we only drink Budweiser, King of Bears, man. Um, only option. The only option. And um, when I was in Topeka, Kansas, um, working at Spanky's Bar and Grill, they got Blue Moon on tap. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'll try this. And the guy's like, I'll put an orange. I was like, what is this, orange in my beer? You know? <laughs> and I fell in love immediately. And so... Don't tell the other hounds, but I started. I switched to drinking Blue Moon like exclusively, and um, and then once I grew up a little bit, I realized Blue Moon is kind of gross. So I uh, I started drinking Hefeweizens a lot, um, and like Ho Garden was a big one for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I have German heritage, so I like a lot of the German vice beers. But after a while, I don't know, something happened. Like I moved to San Diego. I've been there for 12 years mm. and for the first eight years, I just couldn't do IPAs. You know, I was like, ah, it's just way too hoppy. I just couldn't do it. And then one day I was like, give me an IPA. And I just couldn't turn back. And now like, that's all I drink, you know? <laughs> so it just, for some reason, after eight years being there, it just finally got to me and that's all I drink now. I think that's super interesting. And uh, for people that don't know, the booze hound is a band that you've been doing since early 2000s where you guys walk up onto stage with cases of beer and leave the stage and the cases are basically empty how much of that beer went into your mouth versus all over the place is questionable but they they definitely they definitely leave with empty cases uh, i wonder if uh, you getting into ipas more after so many years has to do with the craft beer scene evolving and becoming more juicy ipas versus the uh, palate scrapers, as I like to call them, the high IBU, uh, very bitter hop forward IPAs. And there was definitely like an evolution in the craft beer industry that seems to match that timeline. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Because when I started getting the IPAs, my favorite one for a while was the Sculpin Grapefruit Sculpin. And so, I mean, that's got a lot of grapefruit, and I think it's got some like banana cloves and stuff. And 
that kind of helped me transition into it. And uh, I still love like a nice hazy IPA, which uh, they're generally pretty like juicy forward. Yeah. Tropical. Yeah, for sure. And I, I do enjoy those, but I think that kind of opened the floodgates to just double hops, triple hops or, you know, whatever. And um, I know Dave Otero out of Colorado, like kind of showed me some stuff. You know, he's a he made his own beer, too. And they have a lot of he would take me like true brewery and stuff. And they, we would sample all those IPAs. And so I started getting a taste for it then. But uh, yeah, California is what really did me in, I think. Massive shout out to David Otero, Vox and Hops alumni, the man that introduced me to Zach Coleman from True Brewing, also a Vox and Hops alumni. So it's a very small world in the craft beer world. I like it very much. Yeah. Let's talk about soundtrack of your youth. You're at your parents' house right now. It's absolutely perfect time for this question. Uh, talk to me about what music your parents listened to when you're growing up. What music uh, was playing in your house when you were not in control? Uh, <laughs> um, let's see. My dad's a big uh, Garth Brooks fan, so... Yes. Give it up for that. And uh, my mom likes Elton John. And um, to, it's kind of weird. Like, my parents are not big, like, on music, which is kind of hilarious. Uh, I know a lot of these musicians come up and they're like, oh, I was listening to James Brown when I was two and whatever. But, I mean, I had a, a small record player, I remember, and I would jam, like, Michael Jackson's Bad and stuff. And I would just, like, run across the room. I was, like, <laughs> dancing or something. I don't know. But... <laughs> It wasn't, we didn't have like tons of music that we would listen to over and over. My mom, a uh, little classical here and there, but I kind of had to explore a lot of it on my own for when my brother started showing me like metal bands. He was actually a pretty big influence when I was old enough. I remember like we would leave, when I was in second grade, we would leave elementary school and go to our neighbor's house and we would like have mosh pits to Pantera on like the couches and stuff. And like, <laughs> and then I got into like Metallica and stuff like that. And man, you're bringing all these memories back. And I remember I had this, uh, Billy Joel, I think it's Billy Joel. Um, we didn't start the fire. Remember that song? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I used to just jam it over and over again, like during that era, you know? And, uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of like where it, where my roots came from, I guess. I love that very, very much. I love that your older brother was the one that brought the evil metal into the house. What was your parents' reaction to the evil metal coming into the house? Um, Well, they were cool with it. Uh, It's just when uh, I would play like Metallica's live shit, Binge and Purge, um, that was like my soundtrack to, you know, my angst, teenage angst. (laughs) But James Hetfield was just like, I, you know, like, how the fuck you doing? Absolutely. It was like, oh, no. fuck this shit. I mean, like every other word. <laughs> My mom was just like, I don't think this is appropriate. You know? But uh, they were pretty cool, you know. Um, they It took them a while to get on to like the death metal like later in the years, but they, they've come around, you know. My mom's met Corpse Grinder and Amazing. You know, a bunch of the stuff and stuff, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like with their trajectory, they had no choice but to somewhat accept it. Right, yeah. My mom actually came out to the Slayer tour two shows, and she met, you know, Gary Holt, and uh, she, she met Les Claypool even. And I was like, "You have no idea who you're meeting." And she's like, "Oh, he was so nice." You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I didn't give you the proper intro, actually. I just sort of jumped straight into it. Uh, for people that don't know who Derek is, uh, he is a very busy musician. He plays in many, many projects such as Cast the Stone, Scour, uh, Philip H. and Salmo and the Illegals, China Girl. 
I met him with Unmerciful. He played bass for Naraxis on a tour, which we played a show together, and I didn't realize until many years later. Um, very busy guy, uh, but I would love to hear about the first show that you went to go see. I'll break it into two categories. The The very first show I ever saw was um, the Beach Boys at wow. Six Flags Theme Park. Dude, that's cool. And uh, Super cool. And the second show I ever saw was the Beach Boys at the St. Louis 4th of July fair. And they actually brought out John Stamos from full house to yes. play drums on a couple songs. Wow. So as a kid, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> were, you, were you more impressed by, by what was his name on that show? Uncle Jesse being there. That's amazing. First, like I would say classified like the real concert I ever went to was, um, Allison chains opened up for kiss wow. on the kiss reunion. So, that was actually a big reason why I play bass, to be honest. Um, I remember Mike Inez came out. Uh, he had, like, no shirt and a top hat, just, like, Slash. And he came out and he just, like, hocked a loogie and just, they went right into that song again. And, like, the bass was, like, thumping my chest. And I was like, um, I want to do that, you know? Unbelievable. And then not to mention Kiss, you know, the greatest show on earth or whatever, so. Pretty fucking sick. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, do you remember your first time on stage? Yes, I do. It was quite the show. <laughs> First performance I ever did was at a party. I didn't actually start playing bass until I was 18. Um, so it wasn't until college that I started like, you know. I did not know that. Yeah, I kind of, I was like a big sports head, you know, football and basketball and stuff. But uh, the very first performance I had was at a party where just me and my friend, no drums or anything, we played a, Say it ain't so by Weezer at <laughs> this party. I used to I used to cover that shit. My first band. What a show! Mm. But the first time I got on a stage was at this like open mic night down in Columbia, Missouri, and I think we did like a three eleven cover and like just some originals and stuff. So, and it was uh, I remember like getting all like sweaty and like all nervous and stuff, <laughs> you know. What was the genre? If you're doing 311 covers, what was the originals? What the, the originals? What genre would you classify them as? Um, I would just what what would you call that? Funk rock really? or something? The groove on the bass always, always the slap. Yeah, yeah, straight to the slap, straight to the slap. And then you toured with Les Claypool. And it's pretty fucking cool, right? And then uh, <laughs> probably right back to that moment, I started sweating and. <laughs> Yeah, that was what a treat to watch Les Claypool every night. My God. You, you were a part of a very tiny little tour, um, the, the final tour of Slayer. Uh, I was watching as a fly on the wall of you doing that. Fucking unbelievable. I want to build up to that, though. There is something I want to talk about that I don't know if you remember this, but it's probably the story that you told me that I remember the most. I don't know if you know what I'm going to say here. Um, someone has vetted this story that it is truth. And that is Shreddy Bear, Malcolm. You live with Malcolm. My dog. That's my dog right there. I had him on the podcast, and I asked him after we stopped recording. We were at Zidsiel here in Montreal. And uh, he, he vetted this story so you, about spirits in the house that you guys lived in. Oh, God. Um, so my, my Mark's calling me right now. Oh, Mark. Mark's calling you right now? You can answer? answer? You can answer, yeah. 
on the cast. Oh, I missed it. <laughs> well, I don't need to interrupt you, but this is how unprofessional of me. No, I like the Mark. Who's Mark, 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 Mark from like. That Mark, I lived with Mark in this house. No. Bring him in. Yeah. He should join us. I like this. Mark Mark from Israindex is calling you right now, and he lived in this house with, with Shreddy Bear, with 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 the only guy that calls him Shreddy Bear. But <laughs> it's how I remembered him. <laughs> uh, so I did actually live with Malcolm in that house, but I definitely told the story a bunch of times, and it's a long story. That'll give me goosebumps and shit. Like, but that's what I remember you doing. You were like, I have goosebumps right now after telling it, and all your hairs on your arm were standing up. Yeah. Total I, it's a true story. Flashback. Yeah, if you want to get into it, um, I'll tell you the deal. You know, I, I would take it because I, I, I still remember pieces of it. I remember being just captivated. We were on a tour bus in Europe. Different tour than the 2008 one. This time around was in 2013 when you were with Cattle Decapitation. Okay, so... This is a, I lived in Columbia, Missouri, University of Missouri, and um, we lived at 400 Blair Court, which is an awesome name for. Uh, I hear somebody coming down. Or is it the who's? <laughs> it's the spirits. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, it was funny. I I was in going to another school, and I decided to. Um, I decided to drop out of school, and uh, here we go. We have a visitor. Oh, uh, who's this? Oh, look at this. It's a. It's kind of funny that you walked in right now because he asked me about the hoost. The hoost. You know. Oh man. Get on in here, big man. All right. There he is. How you doing, Mark? Hey, what's up? Misery Index. Scowl, cast the stone fame. Fuck yes. EMG as well. EMG, yeah. of course. Welcome to, uh, all right, I'm going to jump right into it. We're... Welcome to Vox and Hops. Yeah. Yeah, welcome to Vox and Hops yeah. Ghost Hour. Ghost Hour. All right. Uh, well, what do you. Uh, so I was, I dropped out of the school to go live with Mark and uh, start Cast the Stone, which we, you know, later formed a record deal 20 years later. Um, but yeah, Mark's like, oh, you can have my room and, you know, no big deal. I'll just move into this sunroom here. That's not really a bedroom. And I was like, well, that's weird, but you know, I'll take it. You know, sure, whatever. Mark's, well, Mark's a nice I guy. I found out why he didn't want to live there already. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. That place was straight up haunted. Okay. I'll just give you a, I mean, this is like an hour long story. I won't get into it all, but so, I'll, I'll, let me tell you what I saw. That I didn't tell D before. Yeah, so let's do practice this. <laughs> I did not. I, so I didn't tell Derek uh, before moving into my room downstairs that there was one night that, uh, you know, I shut all the lights off and in the basement. This is a basement apartment kind of thing. I shut all the lights off and, you know, I shut the door to my room and like, you know, towards the, the bottom of the door, there's like a little crack. You can kind of see, see through the bottom. So I woke up in, in the middle of the night. And it was it was pretty cold, right? That's what kind of woke me up. You know, it was kind of cold. And I like, I was like, God damn! And like, I pulled my my sheet over and and I looked down over at the door and I just happened to notice that the light was on. Okay, I didn't really think anything of it. We that's where all the laundry and shit was in the basement, like near my room, or whatever. I didn't think of the light being on. And then like, uh, I closed my eyes and I kind of like opened them, feeling really weird. I looked back. And there's like two distinct shadowy 
legs. Like, like you know, you see through the bottom of the door, it's like this black shadow kind of going through. Like someone's standing there in front of your door. You see it? He's going. Goosebumps, goosebumps. <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm just like, close my eyes, trying to go back to sleep. Open my eyes again. And it's like still fucking standing there. And I go, and I'm like, hello? And a fucking uh, still standing there. And I, and I was like, okay. So I like, I get up out of my bed and I kind of see the shadow like move out from the door. And I, I mean, I'm like this far from, from my door. So I get up and like open the door and I'm looking down. I was like, hello, whatever. There's nobody in the hallway. I don't hear anybody walking up the stairs or anything like that. So that, that's, that happened one time. I was like, maybe I was seeing things, you know, whatever, you know, or maybe it's a host. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking scary. So anyway, I didn't think it was, I didn't really think it was a ghost. I was like, uh, it was a weird kind of thing that happened. And uh, anyway, we like somehow like uh, we had some people move in and out. We switched rooms. He wanted the basement and I wanted to be in a different room. Yeah. Yeah. A so, basement that was its own room that had its own bathroom and a door to the outside. I was like, whoa, that's perfect room, you know? Yeah, it's prime real estate. Yeah, but we had, we had a few. There's a few other like ex, just extremely eerie instances. Um, I don't know if you want to want to mention one of them. I, I remember something about a staircase. Is is something that I remember. Let me tell you the, a couple breakdowns of these. So I'm moving in, as Mark was saying. So you have the stairs that go down into our little jam room. We're cast a stone jammed. The hallway that had. A door separating into the hallway, and there is a little um, laundry room, laundry unit, and then the hallway, and then the the back room, the bedroom. So I was moving in, and I was like, I'm running some laundry. I walk in, I open the door, and hold up my laundry basket, and I go and I I throw some laundry, and I start it, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, just the laundry stops working, and I was like. Why did the laundry start stop? I just started it. So I stand up, and as like Mark said, I felt the chill on the back of my legs, and like seriously, the hair is like standing up right now. Look at the hair standing up on this leg. Oh my god! <laughs> so I, uh, I was like standing. I'm like looking around, like what happened? And all of a sudden, in front of me, I see this wispy figure walk right in front of me wow. towards the, the washer, and I could see it was almost like a gray wash, like hair flowing went straight to the washer and I was just like, Oh hell no. So I just <laughs> went upstairs and left everything there for like 30 minutes. So I went upstairs and I was putting stuff away and I was like, come on, you got this, you got this. That's nothing. You're just scared. You know, I go back downstairs a half hour later and t- I had a box of stuff and I'm carrying it. And I've stepped over the basket, holding this door open, walk down the hallway into the room, set down the box turn around and the door I just went through completely flush shut. The basket had not moved. Wow. So I went out the back door and just ran. Like just, (laughs) I don't think I came home that night. Um, So that was like the first thing. And then weird things started happening. Like Mark said, the shadows walking the door Mm -hmm. in front of the door and that crack that happened a bunch of times. Like it would, I would see like a shadow walk and stop and then i'd be like hey and it would it would take off 
And I'd be like, well, that's evil, you know, because <laughs> I'll go back to sleep now. <laughs> but, um, but then there, there was the mirror incident. It was like, I think it was like one incident where like there was like, uh, we heard, we heard like a, a bunch of like noise, like someone stomping upstairs. We were in the living room, like, and there was, we're not in the basement, we're in the living room, it's a two-story mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. And up in uh, what was Jesse's room, we hear somebody stomping around up there, but we, no one else is home. And we're like, there was like three, like four of us or something in the living room. I can't remember who went to go like check it out. I think it was like Brian mm-hmm. or something. He went to go check it out. And uh, I might've gone up there at one point too. And there was like, no one, there was nothing there. There's no one up there. He came, he went up there and came back down and said there was nothing there. And, uh, and I'm hoping I'm, mi- I'm mixing up like, two eerie events but then this fucking bat like flies out wow. from like up the stairs wheeling around the room and we're like oh shit we like tried to find like a like a like a sheet or something Finally found a sheet and like ushered the thing out the door and finally got it out the door uh you are mixing up a couple events but i'll i'll break it down okay the one we were saying where the, our roommate went upstairs we heard the noises. He went up and came back down. He's like, there's nothing there. And he's making fun of me. And then all the doors started slamming upstairs. Wow. It's like, bam. Right, right, right. Yeah. Wow. And the one about the ghost is like, my brother came over and he's like, oh, I hear you have a little ghost friend in the house. And he's like, giving me shit. And I was like, man, please don't talk about it. Something's going to happen. He goes, oh, you mean if I bring up the ghost? And as soon as he said that, that's when the bat flew in. <laughs> no way. What was crazy about the bat? is that Mark, I think, caught it with a pillow against the wall. And then when we went to go look at it, he pulled the pillow and it was gone. No. I'm not kidding. It was like, there was nowhere that, like, the bat didn't get eaten by the pillow. That's either. right, because we had two, we had two bat in- instances, and that was just one of them. Yeah. And the, the second one was where we, like, got the sheet and was able to, like, usher it out the door. That's right. right. Yeah. Unbelievable. And there was, another, there was another time, and I don't remember exactly what happened, before this, but this is like the kind of the clincher to the story is the stair. So, okay, let me see if I can get in the camera. The staircase is here, right? But then over on this side of the room, there's a fireplace, mm. and over the fireplace is a big mirror, just a, the, the size of the wall, right? And so Derek's standing over here next to the steps, and he's looking at the mirror. And I can't remember when this was, but uh, some kind of paranormal event like that happened. Bunch of noise, door slamming, something like that. And he's looking. We we're looking at him. We're in his living like we're like Derek. What's wrong with you? And he's just white. And he's he was seeing this little girl on the steps, kind of like like a little kid goes like down one step bump, at a bump, time. Bump, bump, yeah. Ah, just playing on the steps. Playing. He's like, <laughs> he's like, seeing, he's like <laughs> seeing this in the mirror. There's my goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like, Derek, what's wrong? He's like, what's up? <laughs> and like, he's telling us what he just saw. <laughs> so, um, what was fucked up about that though is the reason we were staring off is because we heard somebody stomping on the stairs coming up from the basement. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was like the first couple, and my buddy's like, oh, did you hear that? And I was like, hey, this ain't cool, y'all. And then, and we kept hearing it like, yeah. Walking, slamming, up the, walking the up the stairs from the basement. And then it got to the point where, like, it's on this level. And then behind me, this little girl's, like, scooting down the stairs. Ugh. Little purple shorts, 
pink shirt, long brown hair, like down to her knees, just like the fucking image I saw, you know, in the, oh. yeah. So, so what, what, what came to the point where you guys had to move out? Like you were very patient. <laughs> the end of the lease. Ah. <laughs> I don't know. Cause we're weird dudes just going to live with it. I don't know why. <laughs> before I moved into that house, before anybody did, it was like a bunch of our friends had lived there over the years, including this old man, Bruce, who was like 55 living in the basement of like some college kid's house. Really weird, you know. <laughs> but um, I ran into him at a bar one night and I was like, well, let me preface this by saying another story. Sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. Um, one day I got home from school and I was just sitting down in the basement and I heard... Um, bunch of stomping around upstairs and i thought one of my five roommates were home so i got my um beer or whatever device at the moment and i was like oh i'll go see what the guys are up to and i went up there and there was nobody there and i was like somebody was right there either somebody just left so i went out the front the back nobody was on our street i was like oh, that's odd so it was always in the back of my mind and uh, i ran into bruce at the music cafe and this guy was he wasn't very well you know well off he was he's pretty poor so uh he just got, got a full beer and he was enjoying it and i was like hey bruce man and i was like guess what i'm living in your old room in that basement on blair court he's like oh yeah and he started getting kind of weird and i was like hey man did you ever hear anything weird up in that place and he got this frightened look on his face <laughs> and he was like man one time somebody's walking upstairs and I went and got my knife, and there was nobody there. And then he just left the bar with a full beer. He just got up and left. And I was just like, <laughs> what the hell? So there was a ton more incidents, but all in all, that place is definitely haunted. Wow. I mean, your friend looked up some history on the building, right? And so something did actually happen there. Supposedly, my friend in Topeka looked it up the history of the house and a little girl about eight years old died in the house because her mom was taking a bath and the only bath was on the second floor. That's the only bathroom. Somebody knocked on the door. She came down the stairs, fell and died. Oh my gosh. On the stairs that I saw her. Yeah. Uh, that's horrible. Man. Man, I didn't know we were going to have box and house, good times, booze house. And I was like, I have never had any horror stories or frightful stories on the podcast as of yet. Took over 360 episodes to get some truly fearful events. Uh, thank you for premiering a new segments, uh, maybe. You know, uh, people's uh, true, true, frightening. Good to see it, Biggie. Yeah, maybe pertaining to the show. I got a, I got a, uh, from Columbia, Missouri. It's Logboat. Stamper, it's an IPA. Nice local brewery there. Logboat Brewing, they're killer. They also have like a like a a sister company we call it, like called Wave Cider, and they do like dry ciders, and it's like really really good. I'm like I'm drinking uh, the brand new Vox and Hops collab from Leopard Sky. Cheers to you both hanging out with me. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June 
We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. I want to dig into you were moshing to Pantera. There was a time that you were at a bar with uh, John Jarvis. He told me the story. Chase was there. And uh, you guys wanted to start a black and death metal band. And the conversation of who the vocalist should be, Phil Anselmo, came up. So talk to me about the story. I, f- I imagine knowing you, you're very personable. Um, you played those house core fests when you were in Cattle. I assume you guys became friends at that point, you and Phil. Uh, talk to me about that conversation of bringing him back to, to doing extreme vocals, which is really what happened uh, with Scour. Uh, it's my pleasure to tell about this story. Um, John Jarvis and I had this grand idea to start a band based on a set of principles, really. And then like everything else would be second. And I have so happened to have a couple of songs, a couple of demos that I actually played for Mark here in Herman long ago. Okay. <laughs> full circle. It or not. Full circle. I love this. Oh, yeah. Thanksgiving or something. Yeah. It was. On Black Friday. <laughs> John Jarvis was managing our tour managing cattle to Cap. And um, we played in San Francisco. So Chase came out, the homie. And uh, we were just at the bar. And I, I think that we were like, man, it would be cool if like Chase was in our band. You know, we didn't really know what type of band it was going to be yet. And, uh, I remember saying something like, oh, you should, maybe we should like go, you should go talk to those girls or something and buy them a beer or something. He's like, maybe they should buy me a beer. And we're like, you're in the band. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's all it was. You know? And then pretty much we were just kind of building the band. Um, we weren't sure who was going to play drums. Um, we were talking about Naveen possibly, <laughs> um, but he, he was busy, which would have been cool. And then, Trey Williams was uh, working on the new fetus at the time. I think it was Rain Supreme or some killer record. That's a record of rules. So we ended up going with the Cast of Stone homie, of course, uh, Jesse, for the first record. But then John and I were like, well, who are we going to get to do vocals? And I remember John Jarvis was like, why don't we go straight to the top? <laughs> so uh, he just emailed Phil, and we all had a good report at that time, um, and just sent Phil... Uh, the demo and Phil said, I'm in. Unbelievable. I could kill this easy, he said. Amazing. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it just kind of fell together. Um, it's the kind of story you wish there was more details to, but there isn't. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it just, just kind of happened. I'm in. I'll kill it. Like, and, then, and then he did. We did make a trial video. We're like, all right, I guess we'll, we'll let you in. You know? uh, and then Mark uh, worked his way in a, a few years later, you know? Mm hmm. I think it's a, a killer project. I've, I've really enjoyed Scour, everything you've been releasing. I'm sure there's more stuff in the works. I don't know we could talk about 
it'd be nice if you could. But if you can't, that's a cool. Um, I will give you a moment of silence in case you do want to talk about that. Besides making awesome mouse pads and things <laughs> of that nature, um, we are working on the full length record. Um, nice. Yeah. So we've always done, uh, we've had three EPs, which was by design, actually. Uh, we were like, we're going to have three EPs, six songs each, six, 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 you know. And uh, and then when we're done with that, we're going to make the full length record. So we're going to release that through uh, Housecore Records and Nuclear Blast. Not all the songs are finished, but a lot of them are, and they're fucking ripping as hell. And uh, just the Pantera schedule is going to, you know, we're just going to fit in where we can with that. Um, Phil's definitely busy getting ready for that right now, but he also has revamped his home studio. So, I mean, like ex- a complete makeover. So we might just record it down there. We've talked about it, So that would be amazing. Just, just completely immersed all together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, it didn't work. It's, and, uh, it's going to be coming soon. Exciting. Uh, you've mentioned his name two, three times. So I have to give him a shout out. Jesse Chobel. Um, Storm Ruler now uh, cast the stone as well. Easily one of the funniest dudes I've ever ever spoken to on the podcast. He had me laughing the whole time I met him in person. It was the same thing. So shout out to him. Uh, then you sort of no found yourself. You right Go for it. Let me stop you right there. Not only did I just play golf with Jesse the other day, but <laughs> and this is why you gotta push back the release date on this. I just confirmed with Jesse I will be doing bass on the Storm Ruler tour. In Europe, with Hell, Dark Funeral, yes, ingested and Cannibal Corpse, of course. So, I just confirmed on that. Um, I have my schedules open. I actually recorded bass on the first Storm record that they have, so, which is called "Upon the Burning Eclipse," which Jesse and I had a band called Atmos back in the day, and we, it was originally going to be called "Upon the Eclipse." So that title goes way back. But yeah, I am excited about that. Um, Obviously, you ended up playing for Phil's other band because you're a cool guy. You're fun to be around. You're a good musician. Talk to me about that conversation about him inviting you to be a part of the Illegals. So I actually went to go see the Illegals play in San Diego, brick by brick. And... uh, I just went to go, you know, they were in town. I was like, I got to go see Phil and the guys and Kate and all that. And I, I might have brought him a little treat, you know, a little of the green variety. And uh, I just went there to say what's up. And um, that was the first night that they did like a whole like half Pantera set. And I was on the crowd watching with Kate. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. And she's like, you ever want to thought about being illegal? And I was like, mm, <laughs> well, what's up? And they asked me if I wanted to just join the band because for this and that. And um, a couple months later, I was in South America jamming with them, you know, in Santiago, Chile. So cool. So cool. And then the final Slayer tour. When, when you got saw that email thread, I, that's typically how we see things before the world sees things. Um, your reaction to that? Uh, okay, so... Phil kept that from us for months. Yes. We had no idea. And then, like, we did this show in Italy in a castle with Slayer and Gojira. And, like, we fucking crushed that show. It was insane. It was, like, inside this huge castle walls. And it was the hottest day ever. 
in Italy. And right before we played, like the storm cloud came over and cooled it down and just set the mood. And we just leveled the castle, basically. And everybody was like being like weird. Like the Slayer guys were like, oh, I'll see you again soon. This and that. We like didn't know what was going on. And, <laughs> and then, you know, Phil told us everything. And then they announced it like a day later. And uh, so he kept it from us from a long time. Is he like playing his cards close to his heart? Like, and he's like, maybe I'm just going to replace all these fuckers. And <laughs> we'll see. Let's see how this tour goes. You know, <laughs> let's see how this tour goes. No, I don't know. <laughs> They had to sign a contract or something that they could understand. Yeah. Maybe they told a few days before it was announced or something, but I yeah. think that's so damn and cool. And then we were like, yeah, we're playing Madison Square Garden and the Forum and the case KFC Yum Center. I was like, man, dream come true. <laughs> Bucket list check. Yeah. <laughs> and then the final night, the final night, uh, every show is feels different, but yet the same, but the ambiance was definitely different. That final slayer show in la right oh my god it was like emotional phil was like really emotional because his slayer is a huge part of his life you know and he, he said he like equated to like a parent dying or something you know for him and uh, it was wild i remember we were like me and my boy kane were like two of the last people and like the the end of the night end of the night end of the night like hangs were done in the illegals bathroom because like phil could smoke cigarettes back there and it was like tom Araya and carrie king and all these people hanging out and just like in the bathroom <laughs> i was like this is it yeah it's like high school but, uh, again, but. <laughs> and it was like in la all the celebrities were out you know it was you know, uh, Stuart Copeland was there and the dudes from South Park and Scour Boy, Jason Momoa, of course, and the dudes from the Greasy Strangler. You know, it was like it was a really cool night. So it's something you'll never forget. Um, I did not have this on my paper, but I'm going to ask it uh, your impressions and or how much did you know about the impending Pantera reunions? How do I feel about it? <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, well, for me personally, uh, I'm fucking stoked. I mean, it, it's just kind of unfortunate that I played bass in the illegals, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I won't get, don't get me wrong. I, I'll never not miss jamming in front of hundreds of thousands of people playing the hits, you know, but for me, I'm super stoked about it. And, uh, you know, Phil kind of told us a little while ago, you know, we were going to take a little break and he had something going on and didn't quite tell the whole story. And then I kind of found out bits and pieces here and there. But um, it was hard to sit on for a while because I couldn't tell anybody. I like, didn't tell Mark or, any, you know, I you know, couldn't tell anybody. And uh, it was hard to sit down just knowing that this, the biggest fucking thing in metal is about to happen. But I'm super stoked. And, like, from being on, like, the illegal side like these tributes whatever you think about it it's not the brothers i of course it's not the brothers but these tributes mean a lot to me to the fans to phil to rex like grown men weeping at every show yeah. we played meet and greets who just crying and yeah. there's like talking about how pantera changed their lives and half the people couldn't even like see them well yeah there's a lot of people where pantera like was is like their cornerstone of metal and they like never got to see the band ever. Right. 
like here you have two of the original members still alive. It's like they, you know, they aren't spring chickens, man. I mean, it's like they should absolutely do this while they're still able to, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. Everyone kind of like, you know, wants to play politics and hem haw and whatever. It's like, throw that out the window, man. We're human beings. We're here for a finite period of time. It's like, they have this time to be even be able to do this, right? And the people that never got to see Pantera live, now they can at least get an approximation of some sort. Why would you not do that? Why would you deprive people of that? Yeah, you know? Phil always says his songs are bigger than him, bigger than the band, you know? Yeah. So, and it's kind of interesting, like, I'm bre- a memory has come flooded again. Uh, Scour Boys, we played at the Tecate Mexico Metal Fest uh, with Dark Funeral sitting on the drum riser behind us. So it was like no pressure. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> we did a, we did like three songs, Pantera Tribute Ourselves. We did uh, Strength Beyond Strength, A Little Piece of 25 Years, and Slaughtered. And in the middle of that, I remember Phil was like, just it wasn't holding. He was just holding the mic down, and he was just screaming to I don't know who. But he turned his back to the crowd. He's like, "I'm taking it back, taking it back." And I remember just being like, "Oh my god, something's happening!" Like, and then shit did happen. Like the illegals tribute happened after that, and I remember that, that specific moment. Like something in the too. world <laughs> opened up. You know what I mean? And here we are, full on Pantera, back in the saddle. If anyone deserves to like play those songs and do whatever the fuck he wants to with those songs. It's him and it's Rex. Yeah. They made those songs. You know? I'm stuck for it. If it comes uh, anywhere close to me, I will definitely go and bang my head with all of the metal heads. Cause I am one of those metal heads that never had the chance to see Pantera. So I'd be stoked. Me either. Actually, I oh, never really? saw them, so. oh. Uh, from from the yeah. backyard, you those backyard headbangs to you being on stage playing them, to being a part of that moment where he's realizing he wants to take it back. You'd have to pinch yourself. Yeah, I mean, even though like Phil's like the homie, he's still like, he's still the man. You know, got to take it back. Like images will flood. Like we're at Madison Square Garden and the lights are all purple in the whole place, and he's singing this love, and I was just like kind of sitting in the back just by the drums just watching the whole thing i was it was pretty surreal man the illegals we put in many an hour to try to do the best justice we could and uh i think when we did the live stream it was like that was like kind of like our top jamming potential and so it's when you're in those moments and it's all like gelling you kind of feel like you got a little piece you know like bring it back like experience it i guess and take those mental pictures so that when you were we're old and gray or older and grayer you <laughs> can flash back to those moments and hopefully right. there'll be more of those moments than the scary house moments i love collabs i i just released one um it doesn't have to be a beer collab but what would be a perfect collab for for each of you uh, something that's uh, it doesn't have to be a beer it could be a tea it could be a coffee something that represents you for me obviously it's beer what would be the perfect derek collab what would be there perfect what would be the perfect mark collab uh, let's start with mark something uh, creative something uh, that you'd love to have your logo on i don't know uh, highland scotch actually 
Yeah, something that's not so not peaty, like real clean kind of tasting. I don't know who it would do it with. Maybe Glenn Livet or something. That would be mm. kind of a that'd be like a good uh, a good. I mean, they're like pretty mainstream, you know. But uh, there was a there was a scotch I got. It was in a square blue bottle, and it was called Hague Club. H A I G Club. Hmm. And it was a, almost like a like a gigantic cologne bottle. It was like seventy five bucks a bottle, and. Uh, Man, it was like some some of the cleanest like uh, Highland Scotch like I've, I've ever had, and uh, yeah, that would that would be a good one. See if they're in still still in business. Yeah, right. Hey. I don't see them around anymore, but mm. yeah, sounds tasty. I, I I'd try it. I'd be into it. Uh, Derek, how about you? Uh, well, there's a lot of collabs I have in mind, um, but one that I'm actively working towards is a Scour brand. Um, set of tattoo inks that are color specific to our albums like the gray the red and the black and um I, it's something that's in the works but it's not worked out yet so that would be an awesome collab and i've done a lot of scour tattoos and one of the clients told me like this is the ultimate form of expression tattooing your logo onto like somebody so to do it with an official color, you know, Pantone to match the albums. Uh, that's a collab I'm working on and hope to see it through to the end. I think that's so cool. And it's definitely you with your um, discovering this new talent of yours, this new passion of yours of tattooing. I, I love hearing about I'm very lucky I have the podcast. It's, it's kept me sane throughout the pandemic uh, whenever I sit down here right before i sit down here i get the same sort of jitters that i would get before climbing onto stage uh am i prepared enough is the wi-fi gonna work uh am i gonna fuck up pronouncing someone's name um how this is how i've been filling the void of performing live so so how have you guys been filling that void is, has it been through tattooing i'm assuming i'm assuming sorry yeah i mean tattooing is a rush i mean it's a commitment not only do you, are you have to do the art but you're like fighting a living canvas and it's permanent on somebody's body. <laughs> so it's a wild rush, honestly. And I really, I don't really get nervous from shows, you know, honestly, bigger, the better. I feel more at home. So I don't know. I try to go surfing a lot, catch a big wave, um, tattooing, I guess it's a good little rush. Yeah. I'm, I mean, Misery Index was like in Europe touring with Napalm Death and I Hate God, like when the pandemic was hitting off in March 2020. So we didn't know if we were going to get home. It was like aging up out of Italy. And uh, I, re I remember like being in the, at the Moulin Rouge in Paris and like the vibe was like pretty, pretty frightening. And then we're looking at like, you know, the, the room was full of like 1500 people or like, should we even be in there? Like going out backstage and on the bus only, and we had one show cancel out. Um, Switzerland told us uh, not to come. Like we'll pay you not to come down here because Switzerland they're cool. And um, yeah, and we we had one show cancel out. We made it through the whole thing, and then like like flew home. I didn't know how that was going to go. No one did. Um, and then uh, you know shortly after that, like. Uh, like the Catholic Capitation European pandemic tour uh, fell to an actual pandemic. Like, it couldn't do that. And, uh, you know, Testament 
I think they were like right after us and they had, you know, like dropping like flies. Um, and kind of old tour, like got. So that whole that whole time frame, I remember Jimmy Bauer. They were like going to uh, I Hate God was going over to like Russia and stuff, and they were in Greece at the time. And I was like messaging him on Facebook. He's like, "Hey man, should I come home?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah man, you should get the fuck out of there." I don't know if you're able to here in a minute. And actually, shortly at, they had to like do some weird routing to get home. They had to like go like through Montreal first and get like another flight, like they hadn't been over there, and then fly to, to New Orleans. Um, so they had to do some shit just to get home. Like after this was after I flew home and, um, a friend of mine who's an actor, like she was going to Spain as I was coming back to the U S and got stuck. Mm. She got stuck in Spain at an Airbnb for like three weeks. They shut the whole city down. There's no cabs, no flights, police letting you out to go get groceries from the corner store. It was fucking crazy i was just like glad to make it home you know mm. i'm like back i'm like what the hell's going on you know i was like walking the dog someone like shot themselves in front of my house Jesus. i ended up selling that house to get the fuck out of that neighborhood <laughs> you know oh my god yeah anyway so i took up skateboarding and that's pretty cool uh i took up longboarding so passed some time wrote a misery index record that passed the time mm-hmm. and uh and yeah that's how I stayed productive. Bought a, bought a house. Had another baby. Jesus, you were productive. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, Good for else you. To do, do a misery index did release complete control via Century Media back in May. Killer ripping album and uh, a, a new baby. So, so congrats to to two babies birthed <laughs> during a pandemic. <laughs> I have one last question before we wrap this up and then we hang out for a bit on our own. Um, classic Vox and Hops wrap-up question. You are both perfect candidates for it. Uh, we like to have fun, but uh, sometimes the fun tends to be too much and then we have to resort to our hangover cures. Uh, let's start with you, Mark. What is your hangover cure? I don't have a hangover cure, man. Like, I just I have to live through it. A bunch of, like, you know, eight ibuprofen or whatever is legal. You know, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't. I don't have any any advice. Mm. Not at forty. <laughs> it's just it's just awful. Just suffering. It's awful. Just you just suffer and you just deal with it for like maybe a day and a half. Mm. <laughs> have you, Derek? There's four things you can do to get through a hangover, in my opinion. So, um, number one, this is especially prevalent in I, where I live in San Diego. The acai bowl. It's a Brazilian berry, kind of like a smoothie type thing. I don't know if you're familiar, but it's there's been times where I'm like, I don't think I can go to work today. And then you power down a bowl and then you're good. Um, I would say that coupled with a mimosa to take a little, you know, take a little edge off. And then something I did today, actually. Yeah. I actually went out to saw a ball game with John Jarvis of Scour last night. So we had a couple, you know, and I wasn't feeling so hot. But I jumped into the sauna space infrared therapy light sauna today. And I just drip sweat for 30 minutes and that detoxed me pretty well. So, And then uh, the other thing is it's not totally legal in every state, but it's starting to be. Hitting the cheese. Little cheese for you. Little slice. Little slice cheese. <laughs> I love it. Derek. I've got a question for Mr. Mackey. Now, 
for the viewers who don't know, over the years, I've always somehow managed to walk in on Matt as he's doing his vocal warm up. <laughs> this guy will run off in the some corner of the building expecting no one to find him. But I, <laughs> I always do. And I walk in in the same thing. And he's just like, me, 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 me. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, do you still use that same warm up tape? And have you ever found a safe spot to do it? Um, I do still use it. I use it less since I, I've switched vocal techniques over the past few years. So I, I don't necessarily have to warm up as much as I used to whilst on tour. But I have not found a safe spot, let's say. I do it typically backstage while the bands are playing now is, is what I do now. But I do stand. It's the Melissa Cross, Zen of Screaming, and I think it's number six on it. The me, he, 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 he that you're talking about. And it's funny because a lot of people that have toured with me have brought up different sections of the warm up. Whenever Terrence, Terrence Hobbs sees me from suffocation, he goes, he, he, hey, hey. And that's the final warm up <laughs> exercise. Wow. There he goes again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first thing he says to he, every time. And then he gives me a hug. Um, <laughs> Derek, Mark, thank you so, so much. Hanging out with me, talking about your lives, music and craft beer. This is an absolute pleasure. Uh, we can, we have to keep hanging out. That's, that's just the way it's going to be, but not with everyone listening. This is a blast. Uh, I raise my glass to you guys. Massive cheers. I'm excited for everything you guys have coming up in the future, and I'm proud of you both. Cheers. Cheers, man. Thanks cheers. for having us. Sante. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening to everything that I love and appreciate that. Man, this was an awesome, awesome, long overdue hang. I love Derek. It has been way too long since I had the chance to hang out with him. Uh, he was on such a formative tour of mine, my very first European tour, and then we toured Europe again in 2013. Awesome, awesome to reconnect with him. He has gone on to do some massive things since those tours, and I'm just so damn stoked for him. I'm beyond stoked that Mark of Misery Index happened to crash this hang. It was just so cool to have him come in and add a different perspective, especially on all the haunted house, the hoost, as they like to call it, stories. It really added a very cool, different perspective to these stories. Just awesome and terrifying, honestly. Um, first time talking about some scary stuff on the podcast let me know if it's something that you enjoyed and maybe i'll do some more episodes such as this massive cheers to derek and mark i cannot wait to hang out with you guys again very very stoked for that brand new scour record that's coming up hopefully next year if you enjoyed this vox and hops episode you should sign up to the vox and hops metal podcast mailing list you can do that on my website voxandhops.com that's v-o-x-a-n-d-h-o-p-s.com when you do that you shall receive one email a month that will contain all of the details of everything that has happened recently in the world of the vox and hospital podcast you get to see which episodes i dropped recently we'll get to see which episodes i have coming up you also get to see which albums the vox and hops album review crew have reviewed recently and you will get to hear about any projects i have in the works before i announce them to the public and i always have a lot of stuff going on you will also get to see which albums jerry monk vox and hops's metal architect has added to the brutal awakenings playlist jerry has the ear for what's going on in metal if you're looking for new music the brutal 
Awakenings playlist is what you want to be listening to. There is always a lot going on in the world of the Vox and Hospital podcast, and I hate when you miss anything, so please sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hospital podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a killer weekend. I will be back next week with yet again two episodes, one on Tuesday and another on Friday. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.